everyone today I have Emma Emily Baker uh, with me a learning support officer and boarding school supervisor turned full-time student at 34 who left school in a year 11. Em is coming up to the seventh anniversary of being a single mum to three mini humans. She likes to think of herself as a walking contradiction from Doc Martens and tattoos to a PNC volunteer. With strong opinions and a love for reading and learning, an advocate of intersectionality and equal rights and body positivity, I need to get my teeth sorted, M is hoping to leave the world a slightly better place. So hi M. thanks for coming to the podcast, thanks for coming on board. Um, how are you today? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Oh, awesome. No, really well. Just need to get my teeth sorted, I think. It's all good. So, <laughs> seventh anniversary of being a single mum, blimey. And you're looking fairly sane and sounding fairly sane. Like, how? Tell us, tell us about your journey. Yeah, it's actually hard to believe it's almost seven years. It's sort of, in some ways, it's such a long journey. In other ways, it goes so incredibly fast. It, um, yeah, there's been a lot packed into those seven years, I must say. I sort of, yeah. from where I started, you know, when we separated, I was three months pregnant with my third child. I wasn't working. I had no job. I had no money. I was renting this ridiculously expensive duplex and I really didn't know how I was going to manage or what I was going to do with myself. And I sort of really spent a good two months very stressed and very um, uncertain of what was going to happen. And there was this um, slow process of having to wait out the pregnancy and um, manage to figure out how to get back to work with a very small baby and two other children. And slowly, slowly, like those pieces of, you know, puzzle click into place. And I managed to get a decent part-time job, um, working as a learning support officer in school, uh, which was fabulous. It was school hours. I got school holidays off the money atrocious, but <laughs> it was something which yeah. was great. Uh, navigating Centrelink was I wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, because being like being single, three months pregnant, I mean, you really got no, avenue as such to like go right well I'm single now and I've got two kids and I need to go out and get a job because you're pregnant so yeah. how did you deal it, with that I mean you know those that must have been really challenging it was really hard I I couldn't do anything in terms of drastic life changes I couldn't pick up a move I couldn't um go and um, get a new job because nobody, you know, as much yeah. as they say they will, nobody's looking to hire a pregnant person. And I also couldn't realistically go into a job knowing that I'd then need quite a big chunk of time off. Um, and I had no stress relief either because, you know, you can't do much when you're pregnant. I was very, very sick. I get really bad morning sickness. Oh, so there wasn't much yeah, that I could do. So the only thing I really did was 
um, exercise. As I'm not actually a very oh. sporty person at all, exercise very much. But I started walking, and then I started going to the gym. I um, managed to find a, somebody to give me some advice on training whilst pregnant, and I just let my stress out that way. Um, okay. I, I didn't continue it after I was pregnant. I didn't keep it up, but it was enough just to give me something to focus on and get me through just to do this bit of exercise and something that was for me, you know, and I just waited it out basically. Yeah. And, you know, very how, how old were your other two children? How were the older, the other two children that you got? They were five and six. Oh, so, okay. So one yeah, was sort little. of at school <laughs> and the, uh, yeah, one was sort of at going to yeah. school and the other one was sort of kindy. My eldest was kindy and then my son was in oh, preschool okay. still. So, yeah. yeah, so that's having it your hands full. Definitely a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and knowing you've got these small people who are depending on you and yet not feeling like you had any real, like, um, vision or path or way out was really stressful. And I remember immensely feeling that pressure and that stress of almost feeling like I was failing my children because I had no idea how I was going to get out of it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. Blimey. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that would be like coming my situation where I separated, but like I, I was working, so like I had an income coming in, but to be pregnant and like, yeah, to be in that position where you didn't really have any way of getting a job because you were pregnant, that's crazy. But look, okay, no, that's fair enough. You found fitness to deal with the stress, I suppose, yeah. that which is great. Yeah, and then I think as well I um, I learned to manage my money a bit better, which was really helpful. So I realised pretty early on that I was pretty atrocious at finances, um, <laughs> which was quite a, a self-realisation. And it's a hard thing to do to kind of look at yourself and go, shit, I'm not very good at this, you know. Um, yeah. So I, um, the first thing I did was I needed to be able to live in my house and afford the rent. And the rent I was paying was ridiculous. It was like 650 a week. Yeah. Um, and, Jeez. yeah, but we had a four-bedroom duplex. So I found out about... Um, hosting international students um and oh okay yeah, yeah yeah so I was really lucky because I had already worked previously in schools I had a working with children's check and I have sort of you know the qualifications I guess if you could really call it that yeah. you know I'm good with people I you know I've never done anything horrendously you know horrible to another human so I check all the yeah. tick boxes, <laughs> tick all the boxes. Um, <laughs> yeah I, exactly. So I hooked up with an international host agency and I started having um, students um, stay with us, um, which was hugely helpful in a couple of ways. One was that obviously it contributed financially to my household and it meant that we could afford to stay in our house, which was really good because I just needed that stability during the pregnancy and having oh, a new I agree. Yeah. But it also yeah. meant that there was another adult in my house Um and as much as they're often, you know, 19, 20, some of them were a bit older, some of them were like mid-20s, even I've had some who were in their 40s. Um, and often their English levels, you know, are not great, but it's still company and it's still yeah. body there that you can't have a full mental breakdown because, you know, there's another person in your house and it's it's almost a way to, you know, keep you in check a little bit and to have that, that just that grounding thing. So that was really helpful in the beginning. Did they actually help out at all? I mean, I know like international students, they're not there. They're not like a demi pair. Like I, I must admit in my first year and I had a big four bedroom place that I was trying to maintain, I brought in a demi pair. So they basically are a student that lived with me and my son and they were there to help with prepping of 
food or to clean the house or you know they had chores that they did to actually help me for um staying in the house free of charge as such so I don't know what was your experience it's a little bit different in that because they're paying quite a lot actually so they pay the agency quite a high fee obviously you get a, a portion of that so they pay quite a lot it's considered that you're doing them the service so there's no requirement for them to do anything outside you know obviously put their plates in the dishwasher and keep their own room clean, but you are expected to provide meals. But see, that wasn't an issue for me because I was already cooking for little, little people. So not an issue already cooking. And you know, I'm, I'm, I consider myself to be a reasonable cook. So that was sort of quite easy and fine. Um, yeah, no, it's more that you're there sort of like their host, um, in that respect. But having said that, different students that I had naturally adapted to our family and naturally helped out. So the first one I had um, was a lovely Swedish girl and she did all kinds of things. You know, she played with the baby and she'd, I had a baby carrier that I used to baby wear him in. And sometimes I'd come downstairs and, you know, I'd find she'd put him in it and she was, you know, emptying the dishwasher with a baby, you know, <laughs> the 18 year old girl. And it was yeah. just beautiful how, how kind and generous she was. Um, I had another young man um, from Switzerland who um, used to take my son out back and play soccer with him, you know, um, cool. and just that moment, that connection, that extra person in their life to hang out with and have some fun is beautiful, you know. Yeah. Um, I've had students from Hong Kong who love board games and they would play board games with the kids. So it might not be like helping as in helping around the house, but it, there's definitely aspects that they, they bring to the house, which are beautiful. Yeah. And, and also I found that having people from different cultures um, meant that your children then don't get to just experience you and your culture. They get to experience loads mm. of different things. I mean, we had a uh, Korean um student and she was awesome she would actually cook her food and we would actually experiment and taste what her food from her country tasted which is great I mean you know um uh my son was probably three at the time so it was a little bit um too spicy for him as such because they do like their food quite spicy (laughs) but it was great for me um and I love kimchi oh yeah no I'm addicted to some of the recipes she cooked I'm like, great, this is cool. I'm going to carry on doing it. So, yeah, no, it's brilliant. Uh, The cultural aspect was lovely. Like, you know, I'm Caucasian and we live in a reasonably white um, area and um, my my children are half Italian, so they do have some cultural diversity, but the experience of having the multiculturalism in the house, you know, they can count to 10 in about three or four different languages now, particularly my eldest because she was that little bit older. She remembers the most and she really engaged with them and they still we haven't had students for a couple of years now um but they still talk about oh I remember that student we had or you know and it's lovely Mm. and I've you know I've explained to them because we still have quite a good connection on social media with them so when they're older I was like you can go traveling and go visit them things like that you know there is that great connection which is really nice yeah yeah so so okay so so that was one of the ways that you actually were able to um get some money basically to stay in the property that you were in as such. Yeah. So what what happened yeah. then then? Where did where did so you had your son, your son's your youngest, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I had my baba and so you had your son, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was beautiful. And and then and then so how old was 
How old was he when you went back out to work? Oh, only about five months old, um, but I started slow. So the challenge was getting childcare. So I found some um, occasional care. We used to have an occasional care centre in our area, which was fantastic, and it meant that I could leave him just for a few hours rather than having to pay for the whole day, which was a lot cheaper. So that that service in itself was extremely helpful. Um, so he he went there. Um, and I would go and do, I started actually just with the, um, the services that go to preschools and go and do like the sport or the activity. So I joined up with a little company and I'd go to a, a local preschool and I'd do a two hour training with the kids. Um, and then I'd go and pick up my son. It wasn't yeah. great money, but it was something and it was flexible hours and it was in school hours and with the occasional care, I could kind of cope. So I started with that, but it really wasn't enough money. Um, so then I um, actually connected with a friend of mine whose mum happened to be a admin assistant in a public school. And she suggested getting me a couple of casual days at their school and, and trying me out. So I went along. It turns out my admin skills are atrocious and I make a terrible school office lady. <laughs> really not my strong point. Um, I was bored out of my brain. It just didn't click with me at all. Uh, okay. So they put me in the science support room where the, you know, the science lady who makes all the stuff, the trolleys that the kids do their experiment. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they put me in that a couple of days and in the library, a couple of days helping with library service. And I loved it. The um, interaction with the students and the academic side of things that I was doing really suited me. And it didn't take long before I sort of moved from that over to learning support, um, which is basically like the new fancy name for a teacher's aid. So yeah. yeah. So I um, was in that. I didn't really have any qualifications except that I had done boarding school supervision before. So that aspect of childcare um, kind of in high school sort of circumstance and the pastoral care lined up um, and it just sort of suited my natural skill set and personality. Um, and I managed to get a two week long service leave cover in a school and they luckily loved me so much that they actually created a position and kept me on. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was a huge blessing. Um, and it was part-time, it was school hours, it was school holidays. Um, so it really suited well. Once again, the money wasn't great, but it was enough with Centrelink yeah. that I could cope and manage, yeah. Yeah, and that, I suppose that's the main thing. It's, yeah, it's doing something that you love but uh, being able to get by and um, yeah. just make sure that the kids are okay and you're okay as such. And that's the thing. I was in such a, you know, a stressful place in my personal life, managing three mm. kids, learning to do everything myself, trying to manage the relationship with my ex and custody and things like that and trying to develop that and figure that out. And Centrelink is, um, you know, managing that and, and understanding that is hugely consuming and, you know, overwhelming and just coping with a house with three little people. Mm. So having a job that was easy that I could show up to, that there wasn't any take-home work that was like, you know, good balance with my personal life really, really made a massive difference and kind of compensated for the fact that the money wasn't great. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Because I can imagine like, wow, I mean, in, within your situation there must have been days where it was quite overwhelming oh, um months <laughs> wow yeah, <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah I mean you I've got one child but you've got three children and you had a baby like you had a baby two children and a baby and like you know no money etc I mean it must have been 
really overwhelming yeah. and like how did you how did you deal with that like how do you how do you change that mind yeah and just push to like and I and I know because I've been there you have dark dark days where you just don't think how am I going to get out of this and you make a lot of mistakes like I made in the first probably two to yeah two years I'd say I made a lot of mistakes I dated straight away um and I dated people who weren't healthy for me and Mm. it affected my self-confidence it affected you know my my mental health hugely um and it wasn't in hindsight that was the worst thing I could have done for myself I should have been working on myself I should have been not dating at all but I obviously needed that validation from another person you know to feel loved to feel wanted to feel connected and not to feel so alone you know I look I think we all need it I think I think all of us sort of they're, they're all basic human needs that we all need. You know, it, it's great to actually feel it. But I also think that depending on the situations that you come out of and, and, and things like that, any relationship breakdown, I think you need a healing period of time, you know, some longer than others, depending on, yeah. you know, your situation. And, um, yeah, and, I mean, there's other issues. I mean, um, you know, I know I'm talking to people regarding codependency and things like that. And, you know, depending on levels of codependency and addiction and all of those various different things means that that healing period is potentially more intense or longer or, you know, um, and being on your own and and looking at your personal development, I think, you know, is the best thing. But we don't necessarily all do what's the best thing for us straight away, day one. And it took me, it took me probably, I'd say 18 months to really realise that I hadn't, healed myself I hadn't worked on myself I'd Mm. just gone full-blown into coping mode and you know using things like relationships to sort of make myself feel better instead of actually working through the hard stuff and making myself better and it was when I kind of realized that and got to quite a dark place that I went Mm. okay I really need some help and I went and yeah yeah, I went and saw the GP um and I used the mental health plan that you can get because having no money it's really hard to access some services like psychologists can be a hundred dollars an hour you know I know I know it's but there are ways so for everyone who's listening they're like there are ways of um getting a like you said a mental health plan where you can actually get um you know you can get your money you know the fees covered um Mm. and I know with domestic violence and things like that they can cover the whole um the whole cost for a period of time so that really helps um and I I did um I went to counseling when my son was six months old and basically did counseling all the way through until probably about a year ago it usually helps I um I did a huge amount of work. So I got with the mental health plan, I got six visits for free, completely covered. So I went and saw the psychologist for those six visits and then she said to me, we really need to do some more work. And um, it was by then that I had gotten my better job as a learning support officer and the school had um, an employment assistant program which, which paid the psychologist. So I managed to get like another, you know, block of visits using that and that was enough that over yeah. about a year to two year period that we did some like a lot of work um and just having someone to offload on having someone to discuss things with having someone to say try this mm. try that did you realize that you do this you know yeah. and it was really hard the work like I mean you'll know you've been sometimes you know 
a lot of the stuff you discuss is hard. It's confronting. Yeah. You've got to talk about stuff that really uncomfortable and you can often leave really upset. Um, and then slowly, slowly. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And all, and like you say, it is very confronting, but it's, um, you know, I think dealing with those things deal, and, and challenging yourself and actually looking internally helps you to stop your cycle that you're in, whether it be that you go from one destructive relationship, abusive relationship, whatever, to another. And it will help the children at the end of the day as well because, you know, um, there's a lot of talk around learned trauma um, and, you know, um, what is it, family trauma from, like, if your grandfather was an alcoholic and but your father isn't, but it doesn't matter because, you know, you, like, learn certain you know they've learned certain coping mechanisms and that gets passed on because as a child you learn from your parents so that behavior it's really important to understand that like I come from I'm the um, third generation in my family to have separation and divorce my grandparents both my grandmothers were single um, mothers my mom was a single mom um they they you know my mum remarried she's no longer single but for you know a significant portion of my life she was and so um you know that 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 cycle that repeated pattern of unhealthy relationships with men and um and you know living in coping mechanism instead of moving to you know thriving healing yeah 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 and never then you know none of them ever addressed their issues none of them ever sort of you know in a, in a formal way yeah. you know and learning to do that and learning to get the help was really important and it made a massive difference it was huge you know I learned to put healthy boundaries in for myself mm. I learned you know to sit with myself and be okay with myself and to be alone and to be calm and to enjoy my life without needing the validation of another human in it yeah. you know yeah. that was massive for me yeah like finding your it's like finding your happy place where nobody else is actually, you know, you're not looking to anyone else to make you happy. And it's letting go of a lot of stuff as well and releasing and going, okay, do you know, it's let's let go of that. I can't control it. Let's just focus on, you know, focus on what I can control and focus on my children and make sure that I'm happy and healthy and they're happy and healthy and, you know, and go from there. It helps hugely with my relationship with my ex um, indirectly. You know, I didn't go there mm. about him or to, you know, deal with so much with him, but indirectly because I was happier and healthier, it meant that our relationship was better and I could trust him more and I could let go of a lot of the stuff. And then in turn, it meant that the custody arrangements got better and easier, which made my life easier because suddenly he had some more custody because I learnt to trust him and I learnt yeah. to stop, you know, aggravating our relationship. So all of a sudden, you know, our relationship healed and we co-parent now really effectively because I did the work on myself, yeah. you know. Um, I'm aware that a lot of people's exes, you know, have, you know, compounding issues, which means sometimes they can't have that healthy relationship with their ex. I'm really lucky in that ours, we both managed to grow and heal and so we got to a place now where we're really good co-parents. But I wouldn't have got there mm-hmm. without seeing the psychologist. Yeah, no, I, look, I agree with you. And also, like, um, you know, you can only change yourself. At the end of the day, like I said, you can only control what you can control. You can't control and change your ex. And it's great that you guys have actually found that you've come together and can co-parent effectively. But like you say, not everyone has that has that option. But yeah, no, no that's that's fair. Okay, so you went and got help and great because you got some um, money and stuff. 
to actually um, help you with that. So at what point did you actually consider, well, maybe I want to be a full-time student and do like, and go to, where, where did you, how did you get to that point? Because being yeah, a full-time really, student is quite a big decision. Like it was, it was a shock. <laughs> it was, yeah. Going back to school. Yeah. So I got to do that hard work. It was, it was really um, not something that had been on the cards. It, it was sort of in the back of my mind that I might do a lot later on when the kids were all in school, all settled and, you know, at a place where I had a lot more time in my personal life. But I guess two things happened at once. The first thing was that I got to a place in my job where um, I'd sort of reached as high as I could go and I was quite bored um, and yeah. I was really struggling with that. I had I wasn't engaging as well as my job as I should have been because it wasn't challenging me at all. Mm. Um, and that's a really hard place to be in because you want to do your job well and you want to be good at it. And then all of a sudden it's a really hard thing to force yourself to go every day to a job that's not stimulating you. So that, that was happening. And then at the same time, I had a conversation with a really beautiful girlfriend of mine who's also a single mum, who um, alerted me to the fact that Centrelink had recently changed their kind of system. Um, and she said to me, you know, that when your youngest turns eight, they move you from single parent pension over to basically job seeker or the doll. Um, and the payment gets cut dramatically. Oh my God. Uh, and she's like, you might want to have a look at your budget and your figures and have a think about how you're going to cope. So I basically went home and I looked at my budget, which by that stage I'd learned to manage my money. And so I had a pretty good budget. I had a pretty good understanding yeah. of how much we spend in a year. And I looked at my income and I thought if I went full-time in my job, this would be my income. And even if I did that plus my weekend job where I was doing boarding, supervising on the weekend when the kids were at their dad's and I looked at my whole salary and I realized wow, we actually won't be able to afford to live without the single parent pension backing us up. Oh, my gosh. And my budget was really good. I'd by that stage gotten it right down, so I didn't have, like, any sort of frivolous spending. And I was like, if we can't even, like, afford the bare minimum, yeah. how are we going to survive? And it sort of dawned on me, I was like, I need to earn more money. I need to, I need to get it together and I need to get a better job. Yeah. And the only way I knew to do that was to go back to the union and do my degree. Oh, my gosh. So what did you do a degree in? So I'm doing high school teaching, um, which is basically like, I guess, the natural progression from learning support officer. We sit in classes all day watching teachers and I'm really good at my job and I love students. I love learning. Um, I love learning myself and I love teaching and connecting with students and helping them learn. So I've gone back to you now. I'm doing um, high school teaching history and English. So... I had actually wow. tried to do my degree years ago before I had the kids. Um, and so I had a few credits, like four credits, um, which gave me a bit of a kickstart. But because I hadn't finished high school, I can't just go straight back to uni. I don't have a, um, I don't have like a HSE certificate. Oh. So, yeah. So even though yeah. I'd been before, because it was so long ago, they wouldn't just automatically let me back in. Um, so I have to do this thing um, called a stats exam. So you pay, it's quite a significant amount of money. It was about $160 or something. And you go and you do this. Yeah, yeah it was it was fun finding the money. Um, and you go and you do this exam and it's about a oh, two and a half hour yeah. exam and it tests your maths, your comprehension and your writing skills basically. Um, and then at yeah. the end of it, they give you a, a mark that's a bit like a UAI or an ATAR mark. And 
valid for two years so you can use that to access university. Um, so I went, it was really kind of, you know, a big step and a, quite a stressful thing going and sitting that, but I did it. And I sat there them and I got the mark in the mail, which was what did you did you just go uh, did you just prep for it or can you prep for it or did you just go and go right okay here we go I've just got to go with what I know and fingers crossed I'll, uh, <laughs> I mean I don't know so there's no you can't it's not like you can study content you can't go and read a whole lot of books and remember the knowledge but what you can do is there's practice tests online okay so you can at least practice the style of testing so that you're used to the kind of questions that they ask yeah, yeah. um I, w- I would say it's you know in terms of hard exams I would think if you weren't from an English speaking background the English component could be really hard yeah. um, um a lot of it is this sort of like analytical questions where they'll give you a comprehension thing and you've got to read it and answer the question so the answers are often there you've just got to be able to find them um, and big chunks of it are multiple choice, which helps because you know the answer's there somewhere. You've just got to figure out which one it is. So, you know, I kind of use those strategies to help me go feel calm about it and to feel like I could, it was achievable, you know. Yeah, and then uni. Yeah, so I, I didn't sort of just rip off the bandit and jump straight in. I was quite nervous about throwing my whole life down the drain. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did a couple of the first one was I realised that um, I would be on less money, obviously, because I wouldn't be working as much. So I rang Centrelink and I got, you know, the figures on what my payments would be once my income dropped. And then I looked at my budget and I culled my budget as much as I could. Um, we moved house to a house where the rent was significantly cheaper so that I could actually afford to live for the three years that I was going to be at uni um, off Centrelink. Yeah. Um, which was quite a big thing and you know a house isn't as beautiful as our old house was but then those are do you know what but going forward it's three years of living in that house and then going forward yeah you know you'll be able to afford something different and not be worrying about are we going to be able to afford where you know food and etc exactly and at yeah. universe would have it the street that we ended up moving into is fantastic we have beautiful neighbors like it's actually yeah. in a ways a much nicer property and who would have known I would never have done that if it wasn't a wouldn't have been for going back to uni um, I, I always I mean some people poo-poo me but I'm always I always think everything happens for a reason and like you know even though you get into these tight spots and you go oh, we're going to have to move because we've got no money or I'm going to have to rethink and look at what all my other options are. It's that, it works out for the better. It just... Yeah, and it really the did. The universe is moving you. <laughs> yeah, and then things like, you know, COVID hit and my my work at the boarding school closed down and I had no job. But because I'd worked so hard at getting my budget down, we were actually okay and we were safe. So there was a lot of aspects that in the end just fell together and I was so grateful that I had done that prep and I had made some things that I thought were sacrifices in the end actually saved us so so that was so you said originally sorry I interrupted you but um you said originally that you weren't very good with money so how did you actually did you just write everything down regarding what you were spending and then look at uh, (laughs) well I'm going to cull this and I'm going to do that and we don't need you know takeaway on the Friday night or whatever I'm only saying um, that we have takeaway on the Friday night but yeah (laughs) It was funny how it happened, actually. The psychologist, one of the things I 
I struggled with when I was a newly single was the quiet in the evening, how quiet and how alone I felt after the kids went to bed. And the psychologist said to me, she's like, um, put a podcast or an audio book on your speaker mm. while you do your housework, you know, or while you do whatever it is you're doing in the evening while you're folding a load of laundry. So um, when I went to search some popular podcasts and um, and audio books, the first one that popped up, which was obviously trending at the time, was Barefoot Investor. Um, and Oh, okay. Yeah, so I thought, you know what, I am absolutely rubbish with money. Let's do this. <laughs> so I... Oh, okay. Yeah, so I listened to the audio book over the period of probably a week and a half, you know, an hour or two each evening while I was doing my washing up and folding laundry and things like that. And it was fantastic. I, it doesn't, my life and my income doesn't exactly suit the figures that he uses because I have such a limited income. But there was bits yeah. and pieces in it that I took and used and chose and just his mentality, his attitude towards things like, um, you know, what we spend our money on and what's important and what's not really resonated with me. And I, and I really looked at myself and I went, I am doing this wrong. I'm spending money to make myself feel better because I feel like Mm. I don't have any money. And that's causing this cycle of like, you know, Oh, I've spent a hundred dollars. It came out. I have great new fluffy pillars, but now I can't pay that bill. (laughs) So I sort of, did a few strategies. The biggest one I think was, and it was a bit time consuming, I have to say, but once you've done it once, it's, you know, sort of done is I rang every company that I have a bill for. So my electricity, my water, my gas, all of them. And I asked them if I can pay fortnightly, which is when I get my settling payment. Um, and I, yeah, I explained this situation. I said, I'm a single parent. I'm on a pension card. I have really low income. Can I pay my bill fortnightly? Um, And the majority of them said yes. Um, So I then set up exactly, I asked them how much it would be fortnightly on an average or they all have different systems. Like my electricity company gives me an average, um, whereas, you know, other companies, they're like, well, this is your bill for the month. You split it up. So I did. Um, And I set my bank account up with a direct deposit. So for every single bill I have, I, as soon as I get paid from Centrelink, there's a direct deposit set up where it goes straight from my bank to the bill provider. So then whatever you've got and left is what you then have for, you know, spending on you and the kids as such. Yeah. And then that way you've you've covered all your bills. So you're not going to lose the house. You're not going to have no water or electricity or whatever. Yeah. You, you're covered. Yeah. And then, then the rest is what you can enjoy as, as such. Yeah. And it means that I don't have that mental load on me going, I've got to pay the bill. I've got to pay the bill. I've got to pay the bill. And then not doing it, feeling like rubbish about myself and blowing my money. It's already done. Everything's paid. I haven't had a phone bill in, I can't even tell you how long. Every time it comes, it says you're in credit, you're done, you know? Um, and it changed, it really changed my life. It changed my mentality towards my money. I realized I did actually have enough money um, to pay what I needed to pay. I might not have enough money to go and buy takeaway three nights a week, even one night a week most oh. weeks. <laughs> well, I was going to say hello. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm trying to wean my son off that. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's all good. But really <laughs> COVID, COVID, that was COVID. I know, right? Trying to help the local businesses <laughs> and, yeah. You get yourself into a bad habit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Don't go there. And it's easy because it's Friday and it's, of course. It's Friday night and it's takeaway because mummy can't be bothered to cook. 
and I'm tired from a very yeah. long week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm tired. You're like, yeah. It's amazing. And I think the thing for me was is like I could lie in bed at night and even if I had no money um, in my bank account, I knew that everything was paid and I knew that we were safe and I knew that my electricity wasn't going to get turned off. And there is something like amazingly relieving about that. I just... I instantly knew that I had done what I needed to do and I felt better about life. And if I had didn't have $5 for a coffee, oh, well, I didn't have $5 for a coffee, but everything mm. was paid, you know. Um, so, yeah, it took yeah. me about probably like a good six months. By the time I listened to the book, I rang all the providers, I worked out my exact budget, I set up all the direct debits. But by the time all of that was done and I'd really worked hard at it, it was super easy and it just flows. It just, you know, it just works. Well, hey, everyone, we're going to leave the podcast and wonderful M there for this week to catch part two next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you'd like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. Have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one's perfect and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.